Rebecca. And Lily. And you're listening to Just Gooey Things. <laughs> that was, that was pretty close. For like, I mean, we had the first one. Yeah. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> hey, Boo Things, and welcome back to Just Gooey Things. And we are your bootsyful hosts, Rebecca and Lily. Hey. Woo. You can't see this, but every time Rebecca says our names, we kind of vogue. I don't know where that came from. I don't either. But it works. We will one day film, start filming and do the Patreon. I, I sound like I'm a thousand. Do the Patreon. Do the Patreon. Just like we, like how I say, follow the Facebook page. I have a coworker. She's older. She's a sweetheart, but she'll refer to her computer as the machine. The so, machine. So she'll be like, the machine scanned it wrong. Or, or um, oh, this keyboard isn't synced up with the screen on the machine. And I'm like, oh my God, it's a computer. It's going <laughs> She's trying, She's damn trying it. She's trying her hardest. So, speaking of work, Lily, I feel like we haven't had some good work stories in a while. Okay. So, please tell me you have some on deck. Well, I have an announcement regarding Keith, you guys. I do not know if we will be getting any more Keith stories. <gasps> um, I, I don't want to disclose why. Oh, um, no. For privacy reasons. But, hi, Boots. Ooh, she just looked back at me like she wants to kill me. But um, for privacy reasons, I will not say why, but I don't know when the next time I see Keith will be. Part of me hopes to see him soon for podcast sake. Part of me for my own sanity's sake is like he can, you know, go to other branches, whatever. However, mm. do you remember, what did we name that woman who came in and she said, never give your ex-husband your routing and account information? And I was like, never give anyone your routing and account information. Was it Carol? Carol. Martha. I feel like it might have been Martha. Nadine. Definitely not. We have Carol. not used Nadine. And we definitely didn't use a Karen. Carol. It might have been Carol. Well, okay. If you have listened before, it's that one. Meredith. Was it Meredith? I feel like it might have been Meredith. We'll go with Meredith. Meredith. So this woman, I had heard the tales of Meredith and they were like, yeah, like she doesn't come here anymore, blah, blah, blah. And then about a month, a month and a half ago, she came in and stayed with me for 30 minutes telling me how I was doing a bank check um, to pay her for her to give to her town for, I believe, like the uh, tax b- association or something. And she was like, it has to be perfect because the whole town hates me. And what do you do when your whole town <laughs> hates you? I don't remember what episode it was, but if you listen back uh, a month and a half or so, yeah, sh- 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 the lady's nuts. Like, I... And I try really, really hard to, like, understand people. You know, some people, like, maybe are on or are either on or off a medication. That gives them a side effect of acting, you know, what we wouldn't consider to be normal. Some people just are kooky. Like, I get, you know, we all get kooky people. So she pulls up, and I didn't recognize her right away. This is the woman. Remember, she pulled up. I said, how are you? And she said, I don't like to talk to people. Yes. Yes. This is her. This is her. And she would be like, well, God is always watching. And when the lights go out, I'm a good person. And that's all you need. Right? Oh, so the female Keith. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. My boss said, she was like, we should set her up with Keith. (laughs) And I was like, honestly, not without a camera crew present. (laughs) (laughs) So she, what did we name her? Carol? I, and maybe, you know what? I like Meredith. Meredith. Let's go with Meredith. Let's go with Meredith. So Meredith. Pulls up, right? And I'm in the drive-thru alone. Mm-hmm. And I see her pull up, and I didn't recognize her. I knew I knew her, but, like, I didn't know her name or anything, yeah. but I, I recognized her. I said, Hi, welcome to the bank. How are you today? She, Not good. 
And that was kind of when it hit me. I was like, oh no, it's this woman. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I, (laughs) I Skype message my boss and my coworker who's working in the front and said, Meredith is here. We'll need help (laughs) because she just, she talks. And so she, so she and I, we start talking and then she says to me, um, you know, I, I don't, she points her finger at me. Don't ever give your husband your routing and account number and don't give your friends because no one's really your friend and everyone the truth will come out and when the lights go out god will see and i'm a good person and that's all i need and that's all i need to know and i'm like uh-huh oh, i'm just nodding right and this man pulls up who i who i know right he's a regular customer and this lady's just like shouting at me from the first lane and he can hear her right so he pulls up and i just kind of like you know, like, like raise my eyebrows and wave a little bit at him. And he waves because I can't like this woman, she's not coming up for air for me to say, Oh, once. Right. So after five minutes of just ranting to me, she says, and I, I, I'm taking out of my savings account. Okay, sure. (laughs) Meredith, here's your slip, right? That's when I greet the man in the second lane. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. All of a sudden she starts talking again. I'm taking this out and let me tell you I'm taking it out cash because the they refuse a bank check because the town hates me and let me tell you if your town hates you and you did nothing wrong what kind of town is it I've lived there for 34 years I'm like lady I don't give a fuck I don't give a fuck if you live like under an overpass in a sleeping bag that you stole from like a closing Kmart like I don't give a shit like I care about the people who are nice to me like the woman who comes in who I think is an angel. angel. Yes. When she comes in, I want to hear all about what's going on with her because I love her dearly, yes. right? This lady, I don't give a shit because it's probably not true. <laughs> she starts telling us, oh, well, you know, how about this? And 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 my phone's being tapped and you guys are hacking my phone because behind every account number is a spy and for every good one, there's a bad one. And then she starts talking about just straight up nonsense. She, she fills out her slip for like 15, you know, 1500. And I get it. I'm like, okay, Meredith, how would you like this back? And she said, how much did I put there? I said, 15. She goes, uh, make it 17. I'm like, okay, actually no 15. No, wait, make it 13. And I'm like, I think really quickly, you know, how you can think an elaborate thought, like in a split second. Yes. I had this thought of, I have two choices. I can either change it for her and make it go faster and like hopefully get her out of here and shut her up. But that, or I could give it to her and have her here longer. And I'm like torn because if I give it to her, will she get offended? Like that man who said I was the worst bank teller in the world for asking him to put his name on a piece of paper. I'm like, I don't want to offend her. Because I could easily hear her saying, oh, well, I told you the amount. You have my signature. Can't you just change it? But I can also hear her, you know, getting the money that she told me and me fixing the slip and have her come in and say she took, you know, 2000 extra dollars out of my account. So I give her back the slip. She fills it out while she's just yelling at me, right? And I, I do this other guy's transaction who I know. I, I had given him, like, the nod, you know, when she's talking and talking and talking and talking and talking I like looked at him. I gave him a wave and a nod, right? She goes to fill out her deposit sli- or her withdrawal slip. I take his transaction. I like hold the tube up to him 
because she's still talking. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And as I'm just like nodding my head, I just do his deposit really quick. I um, put the tube back in. I send it. She starts telling me now that this branch is filled with spies. And she says, I'm sorry you have to work at this branch. And I'm like, uh, okay. Can I ask why? And she's like, well, this, you know, and, and then she, and he, here comes the crazy this shit. This is where you messed up. You asked why. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, well, she starts telling me that someone did something with another bank. And we wired money from her account. And then she wants to know if we refunded an overdraft protection. And she just starts saying all these bank words that are valid banking phrases, but together make no sense. Okay. And this guy hears me. He gets his receipt. He looks at me and like raised his eyebrows and gave me like a good Good luck. luck. (laughs) He did. He gave me a good luck wave, right? He drives away. This lady's still going. Oh my gosh. She starts telling me now. Everyone should be treated equally. And I'm like, you know what, Meredith? Now you're making a good point. But she's like, you know, black, white, orange, purple, polka dot. You should treat everyone equally. And I'm like, I agree. Right? And Some she would, common ground and, I'm feeling for. Right? I'm like, maybe now that I can agree with her. Because before she starts insulting me, and I'm not going to sit there and insult my job back. Right? When she says, oh, I'm sorry you have to work here. I'm not going to be like, ha, ah, me too. Because... First of all, I really like my job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I like my coworkers, like everyone there. And also, you just don't insult your job while you're at work unless yeah. you like absolutely hate it. But I didn't want to disagree with her and have her start going off on me again. So I was really tough. So I just spent like 18 minutes apologizing to this lady. Oh like everything gosh. she said, I was just like, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry you had that experience. I'm sorry they treated you like that. Right? And I'm just apologizing. It was insanity. Then finally... She says, do you know, I'm counting. I'm like, okay, here's your 1300. Do you know why I took out 1300? I said, no. She goes, well, let me tell you something. A year ago tomorrow, I got in a bad accident on the third. No, wait, why was it? She said something about the 13th, but this was two days ago. It wasn't the 13th. She's like, and it was like 13 and 13 is my unlucky number, but I switched it and I made it my lucky number. So now with the lottery, I played the number 13. And when I go to Atlantic City, but you can't go to Atlantic City too much because then they rob you. And these casinos and banks, all they care about is money. And um, And then another car pulls up and here's her. And this is luckily another woman I know. So I look over and the woman I can tell is like listening to like the crazy shit Meredith is spitting. And she was, and then she tells me, she says, okay, goodbye. Okay. Bye. She pulls away and she stops. She goes, and one more thing. I'm like, what could you possibly want? want? And she says, can you believe how unsafe I feel in my own home? I'm like, I didn't even know we were talking about you feeling unsafe in your own home. So I was just like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, well, let me tell, and when the lights, and then she keeps, she's big on saying when the lights go out. Okay. You know, when the lights go out, all will be revealed, and I'm a good person, and you need to stay safe. So you stay safe, I'm a good person, and that's all that matters. And she, and I say, thank you, have a good day. And she goes, by the way, the other branch, I need you to check a fax for me. I'm like, what? There's a branch a couple towns over. And that she had sent a fax to to close her safety deposit box. She's like, it's empty and they won't close it for me and they won't let me in. I'm like, well, you know, that branch is closed for whatever reason. And she goes, well, can't you close it here? I'm like, we don't have it. We don't have the fucking box. <laughs> so then she says, well, can't you check that the fax went through? 
fuck how am I supposed that? to check that? So I said, well, I can't, but maybe my manager can. She goes, I don't want your manager knowing any of my information. I'm like, lady, we all, we have your social security number. We know everything we need to know. And also no one wants anything to do with you. Trust me, out of all identities I can steal, <laughs> I am not stealing yours. There is no identity I want less than this woman's. <laughs> so then it turns out, I, I, I told my boss, you know, she, cause my boss can see the drive-thru from her office. And she was like, Lily, what's going on today? That took forever. I was like, you know, Meredith came in. She was like, honestly, like, I don't understand her. And apparently the reason she feels unsafe in her own home is because she believes that, you know, because we're spying on her, of course, and we're phone tapping her and taking her money from one bank to another. Mm -hmm. In addition to this, she lives in the nicest area of one of the nicest towns in the county on one of the nicest roads. And she thinks that her neighbors are stealing from her. So she keeps everything in her car because like that's safer. What? <laughs> Hi, Boots. Yeah. she's, uh, uh, And that's why when she's... Because I was kind of like reciting word for word my interaction with her, with my boss. And she goes, when she said unsafe, she meant that she chooses to keep all of her valuable belongings in her car because she thinks that her loaded neighbors who are like plastic surgeons and music producers are stealing from her. Yeah, because keeping in your car, that's definitely the safer route. Yeah, no one's going to break into a car. Not at all. But a million-dollar mansion is just, like, fair game. So anyways, that's one. I do have more. Oh, there was one man who came in. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Let me tell you something. This is a $300 leather jacket. Okay, and he goes from telling me about what it's like traveling to Italy, even though I've been there, but what do I know? I'm just a small, small, small woman, right? The Italian airport, and they can tell Americans. Then he starts telling me about how he used to play rugby, and then we went from rugby to the Russian mafia. And he starts telling me that the Russian mob is all around, and I'm like, and that happened. This lady went off for like 20 minutes. This guy was in for two minutes and he covered all that ground. And it has just become an inside joke at the branch that I get all the crazies. <laughs> I feel like that is definitely true. It's so true. This one lady came in. If if any of you have ever worked in retail, Rebecca, you have. Mm-hmm. You've experienced something like this. An old woman who's very grumpy all the time comes yes. in. She says to me, what time do you close today? I told her three o'clock and she went, I know. <laughs> Surprise quiz? Yeah, right. Like, pop quiz. Like, what the fuck? This woman is a retired teacher that just misses giving pop quizzes <laughs> to her students to watch them fail. She got, my coworker looked at me. He's like, uh. So, anyways, that is, I know that was a lot for you guys and we're like 8,000 minutes in, but. I felt like I had to catch you up on some of my work stories. I felt like it had been a while, and we did get, you know, some messages asking. Hey, guys, a lot of you guys have been asking how work is going. I just wanted to say it's fucking insane. (laughs) We need to get some of these iconic quotes onto T-shirts for our merch. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And no one will buy them except us. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, that being said, those are my crazy work stories for, like, the past month. Um, I'm hoping Meredith doesn't come back and hold the line because she was there for 20 minutes. That's wild. And the woman in the other lane who came towards the end of my interaction with her was like, was I hearing all of that right? Like, was she really just saying nonsense? I told her yes. And I said, it was an interesting 20 minutes. And she was like, 
you had to listen to that for 20 minutes? She goes, bless your heart. I was like, thank you, sweetie. And it's women like her that <laughs> people in customer service still keep their jobs Exactly. Exactly. So, that being said, those are your work stories for the month. Yes. And, but definitely not for it all. Stay tuned for more. Yes. But, okay. Uh, Lily, do you want to also explain to our boo things what this week's episodes are so this week's episode is on something called the skinwalker ranch yes which rebecca pitched to me a few nights ago Mm -hmm. and rebecca you did all the research so you do the rundown because i've also been on painkillers for my tooth extraction and don't remember a lot of what i read (laughs) okay this is going to be a very interesting episode, guys, because only one out of the two of us are sober. So let's get started. Okay. I, I, was, I was tripping at work. Not tripping, like tripping. But I was stumbling over like my feet at work today. And like they told me because the oral surgery went up to my sinuses, they're like, you can't bend over and you can't like, you can't, I'm not allowed to blow my nose. What happens if you do? I, my head explodes or something. I don't know. But the tooth, the teeth they extracted, one of them, they took the root out and it goes all the way up to my sinuses. Oh, no. So they'd be like, Lily, could you go get something out of the like coin vault? And I would have to like bend down and I would have to do this weird like squat type thing <laughs> and like fumble to get back up. And then like on my lunch break, I'm like cutting the painkiller in half. <laughs> And like my coworker walks in, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, look over my shoulder like fucking Jesse Pinkman. I'm like, oh, nothing. It's not what it looks like. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, we have actually, we've, we've touched upon Skinwalker Ranch in previous episodes where we have talked about Skinwalker. Mm-hmm. Shout out James Allen Ross. Hey. Um, that's my, that's, that's our like. That is our OG. That's our, one of our OG boothangs. He's awesome. So I'm going to actually go into more depth about what Skinwalker Ranch is. So my sources for today are, of course, from Wikipedia, history.com. Those two are, like, my number one Mm go-tos for most of our research. As Um, they should be. Had to shout them out, too. Sponsor us, Wikipedia. Even though Wikipedia (laughs) is asking for sponsors, you open up the page, it's like, could you spare $5? It's like, oh, my God. I'm I'm like, I'm sorry. No, I can't. Wikipedia. So anyway, Skinwalker Ranch, also known as Sherman Ranch, is a property located on approximately 512 acres southeast of Ballard, Utah, that is known to be the site of paranormal and UFO-related activities. And its name is taken from the Skinwalker of Navajo legend concerning vengeful shaman. Mm. So UFO reports in the Uintah Basin were publicized during the 1970s when it was owned by Kenneth and Edith Myers, who had the property from 1934 to 1994. Mm. And then in 1994, Terry Sherman and Gwen Sherman became the owners of this property, but just for only 18 months because they got so spooked by the happenings in their new cattle ranch that they ended up moving their whole family off the property. <laughs> and then they ended up selling their uh, their property, which we're going to go into a little more depth of who they sold it to next. So uh, Terry and his wife Gwen shared their chilling experiences with a local reporter in June of 96. They had seen mysterious crop circles and UFOs and the systematic and repeated mutilation of their cattle. And 
in an oddly surgical and bloodless manner, may I add. So like Jack the Ripper. Yeah. It wasn't even like, obviously like coyotes or something. Yeah. I mean, it was like done as if someone that was a professional knew how to gut and just get rid of everything. So within three months of the story's publication, Las Vegas real estate magnate and UFO enthusiast Robert Bigelow bought the property for $200,000. Now, Lily, $200,000 for 512 acres of land. Yeah, that's when you say, what's the catch? Exactly. Exactly. So I actually have an article that I'm going to link to our private Facebook group. So go join our private Facebook group at... Just Google Things Podcast Group. Where this this author interviews Robert Bigelow and they go into greater detail about his purchase and the things that happened during his own investigation as well as more information on the actual property itself. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is utahbusiness.com. So under the name the National Institute for Discovery Science, Bigelow set up round-the-clock surveillance of the ranch, hoping to get to the bottom of the paranormal claims. But while that surveillance yielded a book, Hunt for the Skinwalker, Science Confronts the Unexplained at a Remote Ranch in Utah. That's a big title. That is a very big title. Almost lost my breath. (laughs) And uh, this is in which several of the researchers claim to have seen paranormal activities. Uh, They were still unable to capture anything meaningful like physical evidence that supports the Sherman's incredible stories. So people have had experiences, but they haven't been able to like have like a set in stone like be able to explain this mm-hmm. and yeah. Um, so the ranch was then after this guy bought it was resold to it's called Adamantium Real Estate, which has since applied the trademark to the name Skinwalker mm-hmm. Ranch. So okay, money, 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 money. And after <laughs> this purchase, all roads leading to the ranch have been blocked. The perimeter secured and guarded by cameras and barbed wire and are surrounded by signs that aim to prevent people from approaching the ranch. Mm-hmm. And in 2017, the name Skinwalker Ranch was filed for trademark through Justia Trademarks. The trademark was issued in 2018. And in March of 2020, Brandon Fugel, age 46, who is a Utah real estate tycoon, announced publicly that he now is the owner of the ranch. So... This has been handed off quite frequently in the past Mm. 30 years. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So many people ask, did the Shermans maybe lie about what they saw? Or were they under, like, was this place under the spell of a collective delusion? Were there contrails, like, dropping hallucinogens over? Perhaps. (laughs) I didn't think of that. But without evidence, the stories they told are really difficult to believe, but they're actually hardly unique. So the Utah Basin of eastern Utah has been such a hotbed for paranormal sightings over the years that some extraterrestrial enthusiasts have deemed it UFO Alley. Ooh! So according to the hunt for the skinwalker, odd objects have been spotted overhead since the first European explorers arrived. In 1776, Franciscan missionary Silvestri Velez the Escalante wrote about strange fire balls appearing over his campfire in El Rey. And before the Europeans, of course, indigenous people occupied the Uinta Basin. And today, Skinwalker Ranch abuts the Uinta and El Rey Indian Reservation of the Ute tribe. So we've got some Native American activity. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So were the Shermans seeing things that nearby natives had taken note of centuries before? Like, is there some sort of connection? <gasps> Probably. Right? So 
Um, one thing that is seen on this property is mysterious creatures. So that's a fence that they built so that surrounds the main building of Skinwalker Ranch. I thought that was a biohazard symbol, but there's a little alien in the middle but of like it. But like it kind of is like the biohazard, like do yeah. not enter, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, See, very I'm cute. a dumb bitch, and that would just intrigue me. I'd be <laughs> like, is that a logo? Is there a pop-up store somewhere? <laughs> and then you get shot down for <laughs> trespassing. Yeah. I just wanted to be an influencer. <laughs> This matches my aesthetic, damn it. (laughs) So not everything the Shermans saw on their ranch was skyborne UFOs. They also claimed to be seeing mysterious large animals, most notably a wolf three times the size of a normal wolf that Terry shot at close range multiple times with a rifle to seemingly no effect. Yeah, I don't like that Mm -mm. at all. So then, on the night of March 12, 1997, after the ranch had been sold off, biochemist Colm Kelleher, working with Bigelow's National Institute for Discovery Science, claimed to see a large humanoid creature spying on the research team from a tree. Oh, fuck no. Yeah, as he detailed it in Hunt for the Skinwalker, the creature was approximately 50 yards away, watching the team safely from a tree perch 20 feet off the ground. Quote, the large creature lay motionless, almost casually in the tree, said Kelleher. The only indication of the beast's presence was the penetrating yellow light of the unblinking eyes as they stared fixedly back into the light. That's how I feel when Boots looks at me. That is definitely Boots vibes. (laughs) So after Kelleher fired at the creature with a rifle, it disappeared. Quote, it was then that I saw it, a single obvious oval track about six inches in diameter embedded deeply in the patch of snow. It looked unusual. A single large print in the snow with two sharp claws protruding from the rear of the mark going a couple of inches deeper. It almost looked like a bird of prey, maybe a raptor print, but huge and from the depth of the print from a very heavy creature, end quote. Ooh, I don't like that. And okay, when we're t- we talk about something like this and then like the fact that the cattle is like, the cattle are being like mutilated, mm-hmm. but like cleanly like, this thing has claws and thumbs. It can easily kill one of us. Yeah, I no problem. Not a fan of that one. Yeah. I mean, a good story for sure, but I'm not getting anywhere near that ranch. Like I said, I would easily be tricked mm-hmm. if they were like, "Oh, look at this logo with the alien and the biohazard. Like, it's super cool. Like, they've got a pop up shop, or they've they've got a there. There's a really cool DJ in there. I, I, there's I, a new concert. Yeah! <laughs> Yo, there's a free rave. I'd be like, oh, sign me up, bitches! And then I just get like shot by by a cryptid. Like, that's the way to go. Just little but things. You, but you're too smart. They'd be like, oh, come back here. Like, there's literally anything in the world that you want. You'd be like, I'm I'm good. I don't feel like getting up. Like <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> you bring it to me. Yeah, bring the shit to me. Let me see it. I got shit to do. And then we'll talk. <laughs> so then, of course, not only are there large creatures, but there is the Skinwalker in Skinwalker Ranch. Mm-hmm. So repeated sightings of human-like creatures have led some to invoke the name Skinwalker, which, as we know, is a shape-shifting character from Navajo tribal folklore. And among the Navajo, Skinwalkers are like werewolves, evil witches who can transform themselves into the creature of their choosing. But Sherman's family ranch was 400 miles north of the Navajo Nation, but it was next to Ute territory. And when the Utes and the Navajo did cross paths, it was an acrimonious relationship, Mm. which was explained by historian Sandra Jones, who is the author of Being and Becoming Ute. Quote, it was not friendly, Jones said. 
The Navajo were more aggressive people. They took slaves. They had Ute slaves. And there was direct conflict when the Navajo attempted to move up into Ute territory, end quote. Um, so clearly, even though they are separated, there is there are some kind of like cross paths. Okay. Which could lead to some tension and some tension and some dark violence. history that yeah. has stayed in that area. Well, I can imagine all the t- think about like the tough energy that you know already like the I don't want to say negative energy, but the bad vibes, right? That you mm-hmm. get on like a native heavily like Native American burial ground yeah. or a community and everything. And then imagine mixing that with like a pre-existing anger within that group. Oh, for sure. Like, it's just there's going to be hyperactivity. Yeah, exactly. So then there's skinwalkers and then there's the cursed water and cursed lights. So while skinwalkers don't feature in Ute religion, there are still aspects of the ranch that make sense within the context of the Ute lore. Other strange sightings have occurred directly next door at Bottle Hollow, which is a 420-acre man-made reservoir on Ute land abutting the ranch, which was filled with fresh water in 1970 by federal government mandate. And in 1998, a police officer saw a large light plunge into the reservoir and then reemerge, flying off into the night sky. Mm. And then one night in 2002, four young non-Indian men standing on the reservoir shoreline saw a blue-white ball enter the artificial lake. Oh, fuck no. Yeah. So according to the hunt for the skinwalker, the glowing ball dove into the water just a few feet from the shore, then emerged seconds later in a new form. Expecto Patronum, (laughs) just saying. A shivering, maneuverable, belt-shaped shaft of light. And after performing a brief writhing aerial dance, the belt of light zipped away at a high rate of speed, hugging the ground before disappearing below the top of the Skinwalker Ridge. This is Patronus. So the appearance of the supernatural around Bottle Hollow makes sense with the context of the Ute belief. And according to Jones, who we talked about, amongst the Utes, quote, springs in certain waterways were reservoirs of negative power. There were evil spirits or evil sprites that would rise up out of the water and then drag you in. Ooh. Yep, so those are just a few of the many crazy experiences that Mm -hmm. go on in the vicinity and actually on Skinwalker Ranch. That's insane. Yeah, Lily, without further ado, you want to talk about some of those experiences and more depth? Sure, yeah. So I found one Reddit experience. So there was, I think, a miniseries or a movie called Skinwalker Ranch. So when I searched Reddit Mm -hmm. for, like, Skinwalker Ranch, I got all, like, the memes and the, like, references and the oh did anyone notice this and i'm like so i tried typing in experience and i really only got one okay um but as you can see it's pretty in depth yeah well it's kind of hard to have people have experiences because it's closed off as of the past couple years and i mean it was people's private property so unless you lived there unless you were family members that had stayed there it's really hard to have experiences on that property even though it's a fuck ton of property it's still, it was still privately owned. Wait, that's actually such a good point. That didn't even occur to me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the more you know. Yeah. The, the less painkillers. <laughs> By the way, I'm sorry if I'm like making jokes about painkillers. It's not that. It's that. It's I, that Lily is Lily. It's that I have the worst teeth in the world and I had to get two teeth extracted. And I, went, I just think we should just sign a petition to have Lily just get dentures. Just take everything want, out and then... I want all my teeth ripped out of my head because the ones that are in there are no good. No bueno. Like, just get them... Just get it. Just just do it. I want grills. That'd be pretty sick. Like, flavorful. 
what what's the vine where he goes my main goal is to blow up and then act like i don't know nobody (laughs) that hurt to do that really hurt to do ow but worth it okay so my reddit experience actually i didn't get the username because it was a comment on a post okay so this one just says story one The first two times I went there wasn't really anything, but I was 11 the first time and 12 the next, so I was just scared altogether. But the third time I went, I was with my older brother and one of his friends, and while we were driving down the road, we noticed some small-ish puddles of blood. And once we got to the first sign, there was a huge buck that looked like it had been torn to shreds just seconds before we got there. Mm. My brother claims it was still breathing, but I never believed him. I always brushed it off as him trying to scare me more than I already was. The weird part, though, is when we went back in the morning to check it out, the buck was gone. Like, no sign it had ever been there before. Wow. Rebecca, I take two interstate highways to get to you. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many dead deer and dead geese I see I'm sure you see a lot on your way yeah, to work, and they, too. and they stay there for weeks. Like, yeah. no one ever picks them up. It's so annoying. And these are major highways. But sure, someone's going to Skinwalker Ranch nightly to clean up dead animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds fake, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, fake oh. Fake news. Oh, someone got shot? Too bad. I'm cleaning up this gnarly deer. Like, no. that's Or buck or whatever. No, that's not... Which, that's like a big... That's a, a big carcass. So, like, that would have to be an even bigger thing to drag it to somewhere where they wouldn't find it. Yeah. And what, think of what defeated it. Like, if two bucks get in a fight, you would see, I feel like, think about the puddles of blood leading up. Like, this thing was trying to get away from something. Yeah. I feel like when two bucks fight, now, I am hardly a nature documentarian. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I imagine two bucks, like, fighting in the woods, and one just, like, going in on the other one, and it just, like, you lay there dead, and you're like, you know what? I fought a good fight, right? Not stumbling away in fear. Like, that implies that there was some fear. Mm -hmm. And I feel like animals don't fear their own kind in the same way that they would fear something foreign. I would agree, yeah. Right? Like, dogs scare other dogs, and, you know, cats get scared of other cats, and physical, things can be physically threatening. So, yeah, there is some fear, but I feel like this thing was trying to escape from something Mm -hmm. with these small pools of blood, and it's like, well, what was chasing you? Definitely. And what what cha- and what chases an animal? Right. What other animal would chase an animal to kill it just to leave it? Yeah. Like an animal wouldn't kill for spite. Yeah. No. It kills, it would kill so it to eat. eat. A thousand percent. Yeah. So that one I found interesting. And then we have story two. I'm pretty sure my boyfriend and his friends saw the giant dire wolf like creature the way he described it. They were out at around 2 a.m. driving down the dirt road that leads to the signs when, putting this in my boyfriend's words, quote, no shit, a huge dog-looking thing basically appeared in the middle of the road out of nowhere, end quote. Then his friend's truck died, quote, the second we saw it, Dakota's truck died and turned on his headlights as qu- and he turned on his headlights as quick as he could and it was just gone. It had disappeared. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking I, like a total. That was kind of like a New Yorker. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. like a Bronx type thing, but you get the vibe. So they saw this huge giant dog looking thing in the middle of nowhere. The boyfriend's, you know, friend's truck dies. They turn on the headlights and it's gone. Wow. Yeah. So really like in a flash. 
His friend's truck wouldn't start again for about 45 minutes. They have no idea why it wouldn't start, but when they got home, they checked his battery voltage, checked his alternator, which is a part of a car he didn't even know existed, um, and his starter, everything was fine. And I've heard some stories where people's cars wouldn't start after they turned them off, some where what they saw was presumably... Uh, people walking towards their cars while they were parked by the entrance and some people have had knocking underneath their vehicles while they were turned off. Just a bunch of spooky shit, man. Well, I'm automatically thinking that the battery died in the car because some dark energy was sucking from that. Yeah, taking the car's energy to use it. Mm -hmm. Wow. You're such a scientist. It's ridiculous. Call me Dr. Bill Nye Rebecca Ruber, the, the science goober. <laughs> science. <laughs> Rebecca Ruber, the science goober. Uh, tweet us at JGT Podcast if you'd wear a Rebecca Ruber, the science goober t shirt because I fucking sure as hell would. I'm here for it. Email us a file if you want to <laughs> like make us a prototype at justgoolythingspodcast at gmail.com. Rebecca Ruber, the science goober. Here for it. Here for it. So, uh, Lily, do you have anything else to add to your research? Uh, yes, I do, actually. Ooh, okay. I have more. So this is from thebeehive.com. Okay. And this is an article um, by Meg Walter. And this is from October 29th of this past year. This oh, past wow. October 2020. Okay. Yeah. So... I became aware of Skinwalker Ranch earlier this year when the secret of the Skinwalker Ranch became a part of the we need a distraction, what's on TV conversation. Mm -hmm. When I started asking around about the ranch, I got a lot of, oh, you mean the cattle mutilation place? So I did some Googling, as one very online elder millennial does, (laughs) and learned that dead cows are what first caught the public's attention and gained the ranch notoriety. Um, the notoriety it has today among paranormal enthusiasts. But the cattle corpses, cut open with surgical precision and vacuumed of organs, they're just one of the unsolved mysteries that make up the history of Skinwalker Ranch. Others include dire wolf sightings, poltergeist-like shenanigans, strange lights in the sky, unexplained electronic malfunctions, and possible portals to other dimensions. There's a lot going on at Skinwalker Ranch. So I feel like that was already very well said. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so kind of skipping forward, um, she goes on to say, so uh, getting on the ranch took months of coordination and scheduling and quite honestly being very annoying and texting the ranch owner and commercial real estate agent juggernaut Brandon Fugel Mm. at least once a week from June to mid-October. After my millionth request, he graciously found an open afternoon for for our tour. So, with hours notice, my husband and I left our kids with grandma and drove east three hours. Wow. Passing a reflective strawberry reservoir and a series of tiny towns I had not known existed. It's beautiful out here, we kept saying to each other as we made our way through the autumn landscape. This is so well written. But this is so leading us to a horror film. <laughs> it really sounds like the beginning, right? Yeah. Texting back and forth and you can hear the like suspense music like the suspenseful music. All the beautiful landscape. Oh, I am one with nature now and it's just leading to their And he's like, "Oh bitch, you want to be one with nature. You're going to be one with nature. Be careful what you fucking wish for." 
So when we arrived in Roosevelt, it felt like a booming metropolis compared to the swaths of empty fields. We had spent the previous 200 minutes driving by, another 20-minute journey through tribal land, and we arrived at Skinwalker Ranch. The gates, armed guard, and elaborate camera system, we learned, are all necessary to keep out the daily looky-loos, some of whom have tried to scale the northern mesa to access the ranch property. Now that's the real paranormal shit Facts. that they don't talk about. One hopeful visitor even flew in from Sydney, telling the ranch security that seeing Skinwalker Ranch was on his bucket list, only to be sent away. Crikey! And then in parentheses she writes, Sorry, I'm sorry. I just couldn't not, you know? She could totally be our friend. The be- Oh, absolutely. I would... I would 100% hang out with her. So her name is Meg. And the captions are great. Like, here she is. And it says, like, this is a flex. We have to find her Instagram and tag her in these photos. Like, post it on our Instagram. Follow mm-hmm. us at... Just Podcast. And, like, tag her in them. Well, so I love this knows. one that says, I mean, a raptor wouldn't stand a chance hopping that puppy. <laughs> and it's a picture of, like, an eight-foot-tall fence. And you're like, you're absolutely right, Meg. Like, absolutely. I love... We should, like... DM her to have her on the show. See oh, what, that'd be see, fun. see, like, what, what, what's what. Okay. So, when we arrived, Thomas Winterton, a soft-spoken Roosevelt native, met us at, a ga- at the gate in a black pickup and asked for our identities. Then he asked if we would agree to sign some paperwork. We said we would, so he led us through the gates to the command center, an unassuming beige building next to the helicopter landing pad. Casual. Yeah, just, you know, nice. basic Casual shit. We stepped out of our car and Winterton said, you picked one heck of a day to visit, referring to the gale force winds nearly knocking us off our feet. He showed us inside the control, inside to the control room, illuminated by green lights beneath the desks where Fugel's team monitors the camera feeds, electromagnetic readings, and all the other data collected on the ranch. <laughs> and then this picture with all the computers and the caption says, not a single game of spider solitaire in sight. <laughs> Impressive. I'm living for her captions. So as we snooped around, Winterton told us of an encounter he had in the very room we stood. One night, the cameras on the ranch went down. So Skinwalker Ranch principal investigator Eric Bard sent Winterton to the ranch to investigate. Winterton and his wife pulled up the command center Pulled up to the command center, and just as they arrived, the cameras turned back online. He and his wife walked inside and heard footsteps run across the floor and into the back room, but when Winterton searched, he found no one. A minute later, he heard what sounded like a cord being slammed against a wall in a different room. Some timing. (laughs) That scared the shit out of me. Hi, Loki. And it's just Loki. Loki, are you a skinwalker? He's the fur walker. (gasps) Hi, baby. Okay. So, Winterton reached the room and found nothing. Then he and his wife both heard a voice say, You need to leave now. (gasps) What? Yeah, and as he reached to grab grab the hard drive he had been uploading files onto, they heard the voice again, stronger this time, say, You need to leave now no so they booked it to their car and drove away winterton's phone which had frozen when they first heard the voice did not unfreeze until they were far behind the ra- far beyond the ranch sorry on highway 40 wow mm-hmm. that is definitely one dark unhappy spirit mhm so 
after so I'm, I'm i'm skipping here and there a little i'll post the full link i promise um after our tour of the command center we loaded into an atv and headed to the top of the mesa along a cliff on a dirt road approximately the width of three quarters of an atv okay so this is a narrow ass road uh while wind at least as far as roads of that type go (laughs) i don't even know what i'm saying anymore while wind beat at our side i suddenly understood why we had signed a liability waiver on our way up between what i assumed were my final prayers we passed a masonic temple etched in stone by a buffalo soldier stationed at the ranch to protect the early uinta uinta yeah how have we been pronouncing that basin settlers um, we made it up to the top of the Red Rock Mesa in one piece, and from there, Winterton, yelling over the wind, pointed out a triangle of land where the team has recently observed unusual activity. That sounds like some Illuminati show, the triangle. Yeah, sorry, I had to... <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely. When I, So if you haven't watched Gravity Falls, it's an, it, it was on Disney XD. You have to watch it. It's like triangles everywhere and it's very illuminati-esque and i live for it alex hirsch let's chill sometime you seem like the man that's the creator of the show <laughs> oh okay it's, it's actually a good show like i i like my friends and i like we all watched it like in high school or whatever but like i've been re-watching it on disney plus and it's like there's like these jokes in there and like i was old for the show then but there are jokes in there like you read like backdrops and you know like little details like titles of stores and then like something below it and there's like a joke and it's such a good show. Anyway, I love watching childhood shows and looking back and be like, oh, I never got that. It exactly. Can, it's kind of like, I guess, entice the adults that watch it with the kids. Exactly. SpongeBob like, has so many of them. Oh those. my God, the don't drop the soap joke. Do you remember that? Look, Classic. Gary Doubloons, don't drop them. Like, Classic. Okay, so. So yeah, so the triangle, which is very odd, right? Mm-hmm. As Rebecca so astutely observed that of course, the weird shit's going down on the triangle of land. It appears to be undergoing a dig, although everyone with any experience on the ranch has advised the current occupants not to dig. Mm. When the team last dug, Winterton has twice ended up in the hospital with, a mysteri- with mysterious head injuries that his doctors could not explain that he incurred at the time of digging on the ranch. When you dig on the ranch, things get weird. After another brush with death slash an ATV ride down the trail, Winterton drove us westward, past a long field of tall grass toward Homestead 2. Everything I had read, listened to, and watched about the ranch described Homestead 2 as the epicenter of bizarre on Skinwalker Ranch. Poltergeists, creatures climbing out of portals to other dimensions, weird lights, all part of Homestead 2's charming curb appeal. <laughs> as cavalier as I was and am about unco- and am about uncovering the spookiness of the ranch, I didn't dare step into the feeble wooden structure first. Instead, I waited for Winterton to welcome us inside, and as soon as my big toe entered the shelter, my vibe shifted from calm to chaotic, which I just want to say, that's very smart shit to not just like to wait to be welcomed. In general, but also if you're somewhere that's known to be paranormal, that's known to be violent or odd, you know, let whoever's running shit there go in first. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. 
A, you know, for your own safety, but B, to for many different forms of safety. You know, it's like a stranger offers you candy and you say, only if you eat one first. It's better to be safe than sorry. Or, or you know, a, a guy at a drink at a bar buys you a drink. Guy at a drink. Guy at a bar buys you a drink. Hey, I got you this rum and coke. Cool, you take a sip first. Ah. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's also that type of shit. But it's also, you don't want to potentially stir up activity. Well, you kind of do, but you don't want any negative activity coming from you going in first. So that's yeah. very smart. So, I felt hyper aware, my pulse quickened, and I found myself scanning every corner of every room, fully expecting to see a floating figure or darting shadow. (laughs) And then there's this creepy picture with the caption, imagine the faint sounds of a young child laughing. (laughs) Perfect description. Right? So, such a sighting would not be unprecedented. Winterton has witnessed shadow figures run across the back wall. Not corner of your eye shadows, but shadows in human form running along the wall in plain sight. And there have been a series of visitors who have experienced bizarre medical episodes after time spent near the homestead, like radiation poisoning. And if I learned anything from watching Chernobyl, it's that, one, no one will care if you cast a show about Russia with exclusively (laughs) British actors. And two, radiation poisoning is no joke. Once, Fugel escorted a high-profile guest and his bodyguard around the ranch. While the group explored the dilapidated home, the bodyguard, a six-foot-seven Viking ship of a man named George, went missing. Fugel walked around the field to the homestead and found George standing upright in a catatonic state with his eyes closed on the back of the ATV. As Fugel approached the vehicle, his ears felt like they were boxed and all ambient noise was blocked. He eventually reached George and called upon him and called, sorry, called to him a few times until George's eyes fluttered open. What? He looked stunned. Yeah. The same afternoon as George's incident, the group witnessed an unidentified flying object hovering <gasps> over the northern mesa. Wow. So I'll end this. There's a lot, 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 lot more. But I'll just end it with this quote from Fugel. There was this disc-like silver grayish object literally hovering over the mesa 40 to 50 feet long, like in Mars attacks. It wasn't a dot in the sky. It was literally right there in line of sight, plain as day. So he says that the object moved positions instantaneously from one spot to another and then disappeared. Final quote from Fugel, you can't unsee something like that. So, like I said, there's a lot more to this article. It's very in-depth. So... I have to read it now. You, you, ha- you have to read the whole thing. I actually spent my lunch break reading it. And... Okay, fine. I'll do a little more. So... Let's see. After my tour, I was introduced to the core team of Skinwalker Ranch. Jim Morse, Bryant, also known as Dragon Arnold, Brandon Fugel, and Eric Bard. And, like, it's funny. You look at these guys, and, like, they don't look like the type of people who'd be a squad. You've got the cowboy hat, the baseball hat, the suit, and just, like, the chill guy, right? Yeah. So the team of four men seem as though they walked right out of central casting for a movie about a group of guys who you'd never expect to team up, teaming up to save a city slash stop a supervillain slash whatever. Morse speaks gruffly of the extensive time he spent in the uinta basin quote shaking hands and kissing babies 
president, just president things. Dragon sits and listens intently, adding to the conversation only when he has something very important to say. Can't relate. Um, and says it in an unmeasured, in a measured drawl. Bard talks in highly technical terms about electromagnetic readings and gilsonite. And Fugle smiles the smile of a man pleased with the team he's assembled. I love this crew love, here. Yeah, everyone has their own special role, and it, it comes together and does some really good work. It feels like a modern-day Scooby-Doo. I could totally Except see Except no that. women, which, you know, throw you throw Meg, who wrote this, and the two of us in there, and we've, got, some, we've got a Scooby-Doo team. Yes. So these men talked over each other for an hour and a half, unable to contain their excitement about this plot of land that they love <laughs> and the things that they have witnessed here. Wow. They shared their stories, many of the stories I've shared with you above, the way you would share stories with an old friend, using half sentences and relying on a collective enthusiasm for the story subject. And as they told me more of their stories, the stories beyond the headlines, I started to understand the broader picture of Skinwalker Ranch. While there are major news-making events that happen every so often on the ranch, such as UFO sightings or a mysterious cow murder, most of what makes Skinwalker Ranch such a mystery is a series of small things, a cell phone battery draining, the sound of a basketball bouncing when no one is around to bounce it, audible voices, acute medical episodes. They are what Winterton calls, quote, death by a thousand cuts. Mm. Mic drop! This is why the show's so good. Exactly. exactly. That is the way to end this episode. I'm so exactly. glad you read on, though. Exactly. That was some awesome research. I know. I knew there was, there's some more, like, juicy stuff in there, which I will post um, tomorrow yeah. after the episode goes up. Ow. I just touched my jaw too hard. Sorry. Well, before you lose all your teeth. I'm, this, um, is the most, this is the most I have spoken since... Tuesday afternoon when I got the teeth extracted. So well, you did a really good job. Thank you. I was really afraid I was going to be like slurring my words, not because of the pain meds, but because I would be so out of practice. Mm -hmm. No, you did awesome. You thank you, it. thank you. As it's like I've huge. been talking for twenty four years. Oh. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, on that note, thank you so much for listening to Just Ghouly Things. Lily, do you have anything to say before we shout out our socials? Uh, listen. If you've got genetically good teeth, treasure them. You don't want to end up like me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, also, no, that's really it. That's really it. Yeah, okay. I wanted to say something about like you being an inspiration, but that would be cheesy. So yeah, we're not doing. We're that. not no, doing that. We only roast each other. We we that's only roast only each other. The DMs here. we get nice and lovey dovey, but in person it's just like strict. Like bitch with your Let's center part. <laughs> you got your fucking center parted ass hair. Look at you. Your blue ass. Eyes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So you can follow us on Instagram at. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Our personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and at Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT Podcast. Facebook like page. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. I forgot. <laughs> Just Ghouly Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Ghouly Things Podcast group. Uh, you can also donate to our Patreon. Just Ghouly Things Podcast. You can also buy our merch at tpublic.com. Search Just Ghouly Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience that you'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at justghoulythingspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, Boo Thangs, and we will talk to Boo next week. Goodbye! Bye.